Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. Well, I'm delighted to be joined today by Laura Douglas. Laura founded Farm Experience and Tour Business Real Country in 2016, based down in Queenstown, which has had rave reviews on TripAdvisor. She also runs the Southern Girl Finishing School, which, despite its name, is not in fact about teaching sewing in good posture. Instead, through hands-on farm experiences like changing a tyre or jump-starting a tractor, she helps girls to be more confident, capable and practical. Laura herself grew up on a sheep farm in Southland, and after a decade of corporate life in the city, she traded her high heels for gumboots. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about her career journey today. So thanks, Laura, very much for joining me. No, I appreciate the time, Anna. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get into it. What I would love to hear, first of all, is often we have dreams when we're kids or teenagers about what we might like to be or do when we grow up. And what were you thinking when you were a child or a teenager? What were some of your career aspirations? (laughs) This is such a timely question because when I was a kid growing up on the farm, I honestly really wanted to be a vet. And I am not sure where I got sidetracked from pursuing the vet dream. I certainly studied science at school. And then I went to university and did health science and I failed chemistry. And I then had to do an anatomy degree as a postgrad and it just got a little bit convoluted. But funnily enough, right now I am, I've taken a two month role on as a vet tech and it's um, very not glamorous. I'm teat selling dairy cows and dairy heifers every day and it's you get pooed and peed on and you're working in all elements and it's very physical long days. But the team of vet techs that I work with are incredible. And it's just amazing how things do take a bit of a 180. But yeah, I wanted to be a vet when I was a young girl. Wow. And that's your current situation is, if I'm right, is partly to do with, with COVID-19 and the impact that it's had on your business. Is that right? It's 100% due to COVID. My agritourism business, Real Country, really got out of the startup phase this just this last summer. It's been a real hustle for three years since I founded it. And I had some great bus contracts on, which gave me the scalability, the volume to actually start bringing money in. I had some great staff, some, you know, really looking to the future expansion ideas going on. And then overnight, no warning, just dead, absolutely dead. All had to let my staff go, all con- all bus tours, all bookings, everything gone, absolutely gone. And there's no idea when, if, how it's going to come back. And it's really, really sad. It was a, it's been a really hard time. And I guess that 
within many careers, there are kind of twists and turns and ups and downs, as it sounds like. I mean, how have you coped through this sort of, I guess, switch in terms of your career and, and what might be next for you? So initially, I was very emotional. I am not typically the type of female that cries. I just, I usually just get on and deal with things. But there were probably two, 48 hours of crying and uncontrollably. And a lot of it would have been a bit of exhaustion after the busy summer season. And obviously it was just devastating once you realised what it all meant. And the thing that really stopped that phase and kicked me into my pull my socks up, just get shit done was my dad actually. And he said, Rosie, I've been in farming for 45 years and we have great seasons and great years, but we also have years where the weather is terrible, the payouts are crap and things just work against us. And that's farming and you're resilient because you're a farmer. And in 10 years time, when you look back, 2020 is just going to be a blip on your balance sheet. So I'm also fortunate with that same farming mentality. I'm very conservative. So I had a little bit of money in the bank. I wasn't um, going, whoopee, I've had a great summer. Let's go out and buy a new truck and buy new guns. And I'm going to spend thousands on advertising. And I've never been like that. I've always put aside and prepared myself for the quiet off season and, you know, maybe not such a good season. It's just that this is a heck of a lot quieter than what I imagined and planned for, but the business will survive. It just is going to require a slight pivot and it's not going to grow this year. Hmm. I love the sound of the pep talk from your dad and He's a great analogy. Yeah. In terms of the kind of the resilience and, and actually good years, bad years, same as a career and any business goes through that. You obviously grew up on a farm, so have that kind of background. And as you said yourself, you were thinking that, even to the point of university and studying towards that, then you moved more into a corporate or a city career for quite a number of years. And so talk me through what prompted that. So I think looking back, when I did the whole science degree thing, and I got into anatomy, finished that degree. At that stage, I was running bars and restaurants. I'd started as a glassy bar, duty manager, general manager. And instead of going on and doing that, or at that point it was physio, I decided to take a year off and run this group of bars in Dunedin. And I really, really enjoyed the hospitality management side of it. A drunk doctor came in one night and said, you're wasted on hospitality, you need to do an MBA. And so I Googled it there and then behind the bar and it seemed interesting. And so I applied and there's a couple of requirements at the Otago MBA back when I did it. You needed to get a, a good GMAT score, which is like an English math score. You had to have um, an undergraduate degree, which I had, and you had to have five years management experience, which I certainly did not have, but never let that stop me. So I applied and, you know, put my best foot forward and was promptly declined because I didn't have the five years management. So I got letters of reference written from people in Dunedin that I'd done business with through the bar that I was running and the restaurants and things. And they must have had a really quiet year that year because they eventually reneged and let me in. And at the time, this was 
10 years ago now, I was the youngest person in New Zealand to get into the MBA course. It's a little bit different now. A lot more people get MBAs now, but it was really, really an amazing thing for me. And being the youngest by 12 years in my class, I was promptly squashed by people that were much more experienced and knew far more than I did. And it was a really turning point for me. The MBA taught me a lot and it wasn't just the academic business side of things. It was how to conduct yourself and how to work with people and get the best out of, you know, the projects that you're doing by, you know, leveraging off other people's strengths. And so I was really really excited about my first role as an analyst in the corporate finance division in Deloitte in Wellington and moved up there and went from small town farm girl to inner city office skirt stiletto wearing corporate chick. Fantastic. It's really interesting that you've done an MBA. I did one too myself and was one of the youngest in the class, not quite by 12 years, but what a what a brave thing to do. And as you said, that you know, for people who do choose, you know, it can be quite a risk to take a year out and and do an MBA and it's got quite an investment in it as well. But but there's not only the the kind of business lessons, but also the life lessons that come from it. Brilliant. And then you said then that sort of transitioned you very much into the corporate world and to Wellington, to Deloitte. What were the ups and downs of, of that role? So I got to work, again, the corporate finance division in Deloitte is very small compared to their other divisions, the accounting, the tax and things. So there was only 15 of us and the two partners. Because I didn't have the traditional finance degree, went in as a associate and then on as a or a graduate and then on as an analyst, I went straight into analyst. I, I didn't get a lot of that foundation training. So what that meant is that I got to work with one of the partners on some very different projects, which was just fantastic, like really thrown in the deep end. And because I had a little bit more breadth of experience than the other finance graduates, I was able to get involved with some, you know, in some really different areas in the corporate finance that you wouldn't normally get in first year. However, what I really didn't understand as a young person is that there is a lot more to being satisfied and happy than having a good company on your CV and living the lifestyle that seemingly, you know, people go wow about, you know, to to think that there were people in the Mosbin pub, my hometown, talking about, oh my God, Laura's working in Deloitte and Wellington and everyone knows who Deloitte is. You know, that was really, really great. But actually, it wasn't that important to me and I never really settled in. And so, that kind of theme ran through a lot of my career. I've done everything from, well, I haven't done everything, I've done lots of things from account manager at a strategic brand advertising firm to new business development manager for a cyber analytical company, project manager for the same company. I have sold real estate. I've started a property management company and none of these roles or jobs lasted more than 18 months. And I jumped around countries, companies, and all the while trying to find the thing that was going to finally make me go, yes, and I just never did. Mm. And what, you you talked about what does make you fulfilled and gives you that kind of sense of purpose in your career. And, you know, what, what do you feel is that for you? 
it was something that I had to really dig down deep to find because I, I definitely didn't have it um, until I was in my last role in a cyber analytical company as project manager. And I really loved working. I was still in an office, still in a corporate environment, but very alternative when you work. And, you know, I was with the data scientists and data engineers, so no, no suits, no strict nine to five, no regimented rules or, you know, typical corporate life. It was a really cool still an office, but a really cool office space to work with and really different personalities. And I loved it. And it really, I started coming out of my shell and going, okay, I definitely don't like the whole traditional corporate environment. I I like this better. What do I really like? And I drew a picture at my desk one day and it was basically me in the country with a glass of whiskey, a dog, a horse, a boat, a truck. And mountains around me and if I wanted that type of lifestyle I was in the wrong place and from that point on I just had to work out what I wanted and for me the way I did that is I wrote a list of all the things that give me satisfaction and all the things that I love and all of the things that I am confident in and there's a big difference between satisfaction and happiness and things if you can do something that gives you genuine satisfaction, it's so much more fulfilling and you're going to stick it out. And in the end, what that was for me is building confidence in other people. And I reflected back to when I was at university going out hunting with a group of guys. I grew up hunting um, pigs and deer and I, I still do it to this day quite often, well, when I can. And these the girlfriends came to me one day and said, look, we really want to go out, but we don't know how and we don't want to make fools of ourselves in front of the guys. Can you take us? And so I did. And it's not just how to use a gun and how to gut the animal and carry it out or anything like that. It's don't wear perfume when you go hunting. In fact, don't even shower before you go hunting. Don't slam the truck doors when you get out. And these are all things that boys will just take the mickey out of girls for. And the reason why girls don't want to go out hunting is they're just nervous and embarrassed. And, and, you know, a couple of weeks later, these, these girls are calling me saying, Oh my God, we went out and we got this deer and, and they're so excited and so confident to be able to do it on their own. And I just loved that feeling of, I helped them do that. And if I can make a living and be financially sustainable off having that feeling every day, then I'm onto a winning thing. So definitely not financially sustainable yet, but I'm on the right path and I'm fulfilled and satisfied six out of seven days of the week, which is, I think, doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I love the idea of kind of finding that thing that gives you satisfaction, but also that you can make a living out of in terms of, of your career. And I mean, it's been a few years now that you that you did leave more the corporate world and move into it. What prompted that that leap or taking that risk? Understanding that the risk of staying was greater and that if I truly failed finding, at that time I didn't know what, what I wanted to, to do exactly. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a, you know, five-year plan or an idea of exactly what I wanted to create. I just knew I had to create something that was 
more meaningful to me than what I was doing. And and if I failed, whatever that meant, I don't really like the word failure or believe in it as such. But if I failed, then I could always go back and get a job. And, you know, that's the risk of not doing it, therefore, is much greater because the older you get, at that point, I was single, I didn't have a mortgage. It was easy for me to take that risk. I completely understand people who are in different situations and have, you know, bigger commitments than what I did, how hard that step could be. I didn't want to have any regrets. And I'm also always been very adept to change. And one of the reasons why I think I'm coping better than what I thought I would in the situation I'm in right now is that, you know, that the the wind is blowing me in a slightly different direction this year to what I thought it would, but doesn't mean it's going to be a bad thing. It might just be putting me on the right path I should have been on all along. I don't know, but you just cope with it and you deal with it and you find the things that excite you and you're grateful for each day and go from there really. And I wasn't doing that in my corporate job. I was just living someone else's life is what it felt like. Mm. And the I like the idea of, you know, that's just the, the way that the wind might take me. It's a, quite a philosophical view of a, of a career. And talk me through, as you kind of look back on your career to date, what would you say are some of your your proudest career moments? It's really, honestly, there is nothing. I'm I'm really proud of how I brought some people out of their shell in the last role I was in with the cyber analytical company. But honestly, because I was, I enjoyed the roles that I was in, but I was never truly passionate about any of them. It's very hard to have genuine pride in something if you're not really passionate about it. And the all of the pride that I have is tied up with what I've done with starting my own company, all the small steps, all the small milestones. And the biggest one, having the guts to launch the Southern Girl Finishing School that had nothing to do with making money and all to do about building confidence in young girls and something that I didn't think was going to work or that people would want to do, but I just did it in a small way and then it just went crazy and it's now become a very much a foundation part of the business and I'm really proud that I took that step and that I'm genuinely growing a business that has the exact foundations and values that I want you know, a business to have and using that wind analogy, it's like a, a windmill. So my foundation is still the same. My values, my passion, my driver is all still the same. And the wind just, you know, is blowing me around in a different way, but the actual foundation doesn't change. I'm very proud of that. Mm. And I guess tell me a little bit more about the Southern Girl Finishing School. What is it that you really love about that? So the Southern Girl Finishing School, the whole aim of it is to help young girls develop confidence in their abilities to do things that they may have not done before. And the whole while through, they are learning, you know, very practical skills like how to change a tyre, how to strain up a wire fence, how to jumpstart a flat battery, and then things that aren't so handy, but great at pushing their boundaries, like working with horses, shooting guns, cracking whips. 
And the premise of it is helping them develop the attitude that just because they haven't done something doesn't mean they can't. And that translates into applying for jobs that you haven't done before or putting your hand up to do projects that you haven't been on teams to help out with before or just, you know, in in a personal life, having a go at chopping wood, even though you've never used a chainsaw before, whatever it is, this, this mindset of, you know, I can do it even though I haven't. And it's something that I was brought up with, being particularly being brought up on a farm. I think a lot of rural kids have that will work it out kind of attitude. But a lot of the girls that do come on the workshops, they need a lot more help than that. They have very low self-confidence, low self-esteem. They're often bullied and not just by other kids, by you know their families as well. And they have this mentality that they're useless and showing them in a safe and fun environment that's really supportive that they are not useless. In fact, they're amazing and they can do any of the tasks that I set out in front of them. It's just something that I'm really, really passionate about because, you know, when you're 11 to 16 years old, you're able to, your view of the world can change. So, You know, I specifically target that age group because I think that I can positively influence them in a way that may, they're not going to do a 180 in their life there and then, but it may just sit with them long enough to cement a little bit. And then when they need to, you know, execute something like picking the university they're going to or deciding that they don't even want to go to university, even though all their friends are, they want to do something else. You know, this kind of attitude of I can do anything will hopefully come through. Mm, I love it. And it's for me, it really reminds me of something that I talk about a lot with women in their careers. I hear a lot of women talking about, oh, I wish I had more confidence and and girls as well. I just, you know, wish I didn't have so much self-doubt. I wish I felt more confident in, in myself and my abilities. And I often help them to try and reframe that about having more courage and having a bit more bravery to kind of give things a go. And so that sounds like exactly what what you're trying to do. Well, you need a bit of both. So you do need, it's very brave to start with to sign up to the workshops, but confidence is not something that you're born with. You have to earn it. And anyone can earn confidence, but the only way you earn it is by doing unfamiliar tasks and doing them as best as you can. And you might complete it really really well or you might not but you'll learn something from it and if you you constantly only play within your safe zone of what you're familiar and comfortable with you'll never ever develop confidence you've got to do unfamiliar tasks and that can be in any area of your life it doesn't have to be business Um, it can be just absolutely anything for me I am not great at fencing and so over the weekend I had a handyman come out and we spent a day um, teaching me fencing and it was so frustrating I could not do the number eight the figure eight knot and then the wind off of the wire to break it off smoothly so there's no rough edges and I was just like this is impossible and then I eventually got it and I have the confidence now that I can go and repair my own fences but it's more importantly the confidence that I can learn and that you know I can do these things and that's the only way you get it you're not born with it. Wonderful and you talked Laura at the start a bit about your you know the current situation and the fact that 
things are having to shift and change to help your business survive and change and grow for the future. Talk to me, what are your thoughts about, I mean, I know it's difficult to kind of have a crystal ball and look into the future, but what are some of your thoughts about where your career might take you? I, I'm pivoting a little bit. So tourism will always be an element of what I do because I provide a window into what I call real rural New Zealand. Um, so no matter what I do with business, there's always going to be an element of tourism there. But I'm pivoting at the moment, focusing more on workshops and the educational side, which is really exciting for me because that is, at the end of the day, what I'm really, really passionate about. It's just that not really any scalability there and, you know, the financial rewards aren't going to be there like they are, you know, if you do the tourism thing right. But that's all by the by. I really do want to get more... I'd love to set up a non-for-profit trust running workshops throughout schools in New Zealand. I would love to see something added into the curriculum that really teaches these kids how to develop their own self-confidence. I'm really philosophically opposed to the fact that the school system and what we teach kids hasn't changed in the last however many years and I just think it's a golden opportunity to get inside these young people's heads. And I had, if I had half the nows that some of the girls I'm working with, you know, have now, it's insane. One of the girls that came through one of my finishing schools started making baby bibs. And now Pippa Bibs is on Facebook and she's making blankets and dog coats. And she is just, she's 12 years old at school and just her little business is just going. And I just think it's fantastic. I just had no idea at that age. So if I can somehow get the business running that frees up, you know, enough time for me to set up a trust or, you know, something similar that can help do that, I'd really be psyched about that. Mm, Fantastic. That sounds like a a great career dream and I'm hoping for the sake of my kids that you do set up something like that while they're still at school and maybe could benefit from it. And just to to close off, Laura, what career advice would you have for other women? Before you get too far down the path, take some time out. And there's a lot of pressure on young girls now, well, there was on me, to go straight from school to university. And University is not the answer for everyone. It's a very big investment and they sell it to you that it's free money, but it's not. You're earning 10% less for the rest of your life. So if you are not really sure on what you want to do, do not go and get that massive loan. Take some time out and work out what really makes you tick, what you're really passionate about, what you're really interested in. And don't compare yourself to other people going down the, you know, different paths. My brother is an orthopedic surgeon. He went straight into university, medical school, and away he went. And that was great for him. And he's doing so, so, so well. But if I compared my line of progression, my journey to his, you know, it's it's just very, very different. In comparison you know, we're only, as females, unfortunately, when we compare, we only see ourselves in the negative and that's a really bad cycle to get into. So take some time out, really dig in as best as you can to work out what makes you tick and what you want. 
then stop comparing yourself and your journey to others because it's absolutely irrelevant. And just do not what makes you happy because that's a very vague term. Do what makes you, do what gives you satisfaction. And if you can do that, then you'll stick at whatever it is for a lot longer because God knows there's no profit in anything to start with. And, you know, you will become an expert at it the longer you stick at it. And that's when the money and the financial fulfillment comes. But don't seek financial fulfillment first. Sorry, Anna, that's probably like 10 things. <laughs> no, I, actually, the, the, the kind of the key, when I was, I was listening, the things I took out of there were um, figure out what makes you tick. Don't compare yourself to others and uh, and look for look for satisfaction in what in what it is that you do, not necessarily happiness. And I think that's a really really interesting one to kind of keep hold of. And and the difference is kind of a subtle but super important one. Hey, Laura, I wish you all the very very best for um, the next little while. I know it's going to be challenging with your business, but gosh, you've made so many, I guess, changes in your own career and life and you've got that resilience. I really hope that it sees you through and look forward to hearing your next successes in the future. Thanks so much for joining today. I really enjoyed it, Anna. It was great to chat tonight and you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.